Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Popcorn and Compliance, a podcast where, with Jay Rosen, we take a look at movies from the compliance perspective. But before we get to our podcast, have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? You Would you like to explore some compliance topic? Well, I have founded the Compliance Podcast Network, and I'm looking for new podcasters. If you've wondered how you might start a podcast, please listen to our sponsor, One Stone Creative. If you are enjoying this show, you might enjoy hosting your own. As an expert in your field, you have skills, knowledge, and insight that can help you expand your practice, meet new people, and create amazing content to share with the world. In as little as two hours a week, you can dramatically change how you promote, fill, and position your business, and One Stone Creative can show you how. Learn more at onestonecreative.net. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. In today's episode, Jay and I break down Toy Story 4. We take a look at the plot of the story. We give some of our thoughts on the compliance lessons learned, and Jay has his always informative inside Hollywood take. It's an episode that I know you will enjoy. Thanks so much for listening. Popcorn and Compliance is produced by the Compliance Podcast Network and now a proud part of C-Suite Radio. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, the voice of compliance, back with Mr. Monitor himself, Jay Rosen, for another episode of Popcorn and Compliance. This week, Toy Story 3. Jay, welcome. Thanks, Tom. It's uh, always fun to uh, get back to our bucket of popcorn and talk movies, so I know we've got a lot to say about Toy Story 4, so let's jump right in. So uh, you want to give uh, our audience uh, the basic storyline? Spoiler alert here. If you haven't seen the movie, T.S. maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's basically uh, we visit our old gang of toys, Woody, Buzz, and they're all together. And as if you recall from Toy Story 3, they've been uh, given to a little girl, Bonnie. So Bonnie is now going to her first day of kindergarten and she builds this little uh, toy called Forky, which is uh, basically uh, a spork that's got some uh, paper cleaner uh, arms on it. And she loses Forky and Woody, as the sheriff who always comes to save the day, helps her find Sporky, rather Forky, and go forward and it's about the toys bond, bonding together again and, uh, you know, really helping each other out and helping Bonnie take the next step. And then they realize that, uh, you know, if they're going to take she's going to take the next step and not be with the toys. So be it. So uh, that's uh, kind of like in a nutshell, but it's uh, it kind of follows a natural progression. If we go back to Toy Story 1. Uh, it was all about Woody struggling with the new toy does and how, Buzz and how they come to a detente and work together. In Toy Story 2, Woody is taken to Al's toy barn to be reunited with his horse and with Jesse and with Prospector Peak. And uh, the other toys rescue him back from Al's toy barn. And in Toy Story 3, which might have been the most moving one to me, Andy gives his toys away and Woody is mistakenly put in the giveaway pile. And they get him back, and basically he ends up, along with the other toys, with a homage to the trash compactor scene in Star Wars, uh, they end up going to uh, the daycare center and becoming Bonnie's toys. So all three of those movies 
really seemed to be work to work together and be really quite organic and naturally and flowing to each other. But for Toy Story 4, I'm not sure we quite uh, met the bar that we've had in parts one through three. What do you think, Tom? So, Jay, uh, certainly on the emotional level, I, I was not engaged emotionally uh, in this film the way I was uh, one, two, and three. I, I was totally engaged, uh, not having seen this through a child's eyes and seeing it through an adult's eyes. Uh, I was very emotionally engaged in some parts of uh, these series. The um, the other thing was that as evil as the um, ventriloquists were in this, uh, they really didn't hold a candle to the evil uh, kid next door in Toy Story, Story 1 uh, where he um, decapitated and rearranged toys in various obscene forms uh, that I, I found unsettling, and let alone I'm not sure, quite sure what my seven-year-old daughter or five-year-old daughter, however she, old she was at that time, found it. But um, I was uh, uh, disappointed with the, uh, the lack of emotional engagement uh, I think um, I really felt like uh, this was just a, a merchandising effort uh, to <laughs> using a movie to push merchandise uh, and not in a way that uh, was positive. Um, and you will see from my rating at the end, but in terms of the emotional engagement scale, uh, I was disappointed in terms of the evilness. Uh, I've found it a, a notch or two below what we'd uh, previously seen um the um uh ferris wheel and the amusement park it was uh cute i thought uh bo peep certainly had um filled out and grown in a way that we hadn't seen uh previously i don't think she was in toy story three but she certainly was in one and two as i recall and uh she was really the one that led woody on a journey of of exploration uh, for himself that, uh, you know, at some point, uh, and maybe this was uh, uh, just a kind of a good calling card for the end of the series, that this was a um, a time to grow up. And uh, as kids grow up, um, toys, I guess, have to grow up. And Bo Peep grew up, as most girls do, mature much more uh, quickly, uh, faster than boys do. Uh, and uh, she was really the one, I thought, leading uh, Woody. Um, I found Buzz uh, almost irritating in this one. Uh, I don't recall him being as dim-witted uh, in the earlier ones. I thought he was perhaps more cute than dim-witted. Perhaps he always had that uh, emo- uh, intellectual challenge um, that uh, many of us, uh, including up to the President of the United States, has, apparently. But uh, I, I, uh, But Buzz did discover his inner voice and uh, it's important, I think, for everyone to, to trust their inner voice. And he certainly trusted his inner voice, even if he had to play several iterations of his inner voice to get to the correct inner voice. So uh, action-wise, it, it had some great action scenes, uh, with uh, particularly around the amusement park, but also in the uh, antique store. So uh, that was, uh, was pretty cool. The other thing that disappointed me, frankly, Jay, was the lack of engagement of the other toys. Uh, I'm a huge Mr. Potato Head fan, uh, <coughs> although Don Rickles uh, was dead when production wrapped on this. They were able to use uh, old clips uh, and uh, um, outtakes from previous episodes, but I really missed uh, Mr. Potato Head and uh, 
many of the other characters that I'd really grown uh, to love and care about from particularly episodes one and two. So um, uh, kind of what your, were your thoughts? Well, I, I definitely believe that it didn't have a lot of heart. And uh, as we like to do on these podcasts, I like to give the inside Hollywood stories. So um, this is something that I picked up that came up, uh, came out May 19th of 2019 by a writer named John Wolf from the Showbiz Cheat Sheet. And he uh, takes a look at the fact that Toy Story 4 was originally slated for release around 2017, and uh, its release date was pushed back twice. And the reason why it wasn't released on time is a pretty drastic one, and this may relate to the recent scandal in Pixar's leadership. So as you recall, uh, John Lasseter, who directed the first two Toy Stories and you know, really was a creative force behind Pixar, uh, was one of the reasons why Disney bought the studio and made him in charge of all family brands within the Disney family so he could help uh, Disney's struggling animation uh, come up to the level of Pixar. And that's, you know, led to the prosperity that's been with the studio. But um, in 2017 at D23, which is the expo, that Disney holds every year, D23 being 1923 when the studio was founded, John Lesseter announced that at that point he'd be stepping down as director, handing the reins to co-director Josh Cooley. Things got worse for Pixar and Lasseter when it came to light that Lasseter had been sexually harassing his female employees. An inside source spoke with The Hollywood Reporter describing an incident with Lasseter. Lasseter was asked to quickly step away by Disney and Pixar, and this likely had a big impact on the time frame for the movie's release. His bad behavior wasn't the only thing that kept the movie in production for an extended period of time. There was also some concerns over the script, which underwent some massive changes during the process. Annie Potts, who we just spoke about, that was Bo Peep and has a significant role in this story, uh, a large portion, according to Annie, was entirely rewritten. Toy Story 4 was supposed to come out in uh, 2017, and they threw out approximately three quarters of it and rewrote it. It usually takes from start to finish two years to complete a movie, but because they threw most of it in the bin and started over, uh, her work was extended on it. Potts explained that this isn't necessarily unusual for Pixar because animation is very painstaking work and they don't like, if they don't like a whole section, they'll just chuck it and start again. Uh, to top it all off, initial writers on the project, Rashida Jones, who was in the office on TV, and Will McCormick both left the film early in the production process. Some sources have speculated that the departure is related to Lasseter and his unwanted advances. Uh, both Jones and McCormick deny that. Jones went on to describe philosophical differences that she had with Pixar. There is so much talent at Pixar, and we remain enormous fans of their films. However, it is also a culture where women and people of color do not have equal creative voice. We encourage Pixar to be leaders in bolstering, hiring, and promoting more diverse female storytellers and leaders. So I think when you look at it through that um, lens, it's kind of interesting now that we've got Toy Story 4, which doesn't really pack the same emotional punch. We've got the creative um, 
you know, DNA of John Lasseter that's been removed. And now we're talking about not only Me Too issues, but also trying to have a more diverse organization. So I think it's kind of hard to keep your eye on the ball and to come up with a great story, no matter how much time, no matter how many resources, it seems that there was some, um, you know, underpinnings here that potentially led the creative team away. So, Jay, um, I've been kind of thinking about the compliance lessons from Toy Story, and I actually I think there's a, a few to mine for us. Uh, the first one is in the role of a compliance professional, uh, you actually uh, you, you can't sit still. You personally have to grow. You have to grow professionally. And uh, I guess you're as good as an example of that as any um, when you uh, first read the four, four most favorite words in your life, FCPA, uh, but then uh, moved on to, uh, you know, took your CCPE or EP or something or other, uh, got certified, uh, you know, right regularly now for uh, Corporate Compliance Insights, and you have certainly grown professionally within this space, and I think it, it really speaks to uh, Woody's uh, growth, and uh, Woody had to grow. Uh, if he didn't grow, he would have been a discarded toy, and now he is uh, a toy uh, without an owner, and he, um, uh, as Bo Peep uh uh, uh, going around just giving joy to many girls and boys. So uh, perhaps that's an evolution of um, toys, but it really uh, drove home the message to me that compliance practitioners have to grow uh, professionally, and sometimes you may need to to step out to, an, to a new role outside of compliance or outside your organization if you really want to achieve uh, high professional growth. Uh, number two, uh, Forky or Sporky uh, or Dorky. Um, uh, the, uh, uh, the toy, um, that Bonnie made up to help her get, get through, uh, the, um, first day of, uh, kindergarten awareness. And, uh, that, uh, was really one of the focal points of the story. Uh, it also, uh, brought up for me one of the, I think, great truisms of compliance is in many ways, compliance is as limited as is your imagination of, uh, Put another way, you're only as limited as your imagination. If um, there's a way to do something, uh, you can figure out a way to do it. And uh, I've seen opinion releases uh, where uh, the question, if put to me uh, 100 times, I would have said it was an FCPA violation. But because of some very creative work, uh, the answer came back no from the Department of Justice. It was not an FCPA violation. So creativity is a very important part. And really, uh, the final point is, and this uh, goes to my commentary around or my uh, sort of uh, uh, seeing a lack of engagement of the other toys. I really think that uh, if Woody had used uh, the full panoply of the toys as he did in episodes one and two and in three, uh, I think if they'd worked together, uh, they would have been able to uh, garner Bo Peep back into the flock, uh, certainly gotten her out uh, with a lot less uh, work. So um, use the uh, the assets that are available to you. Those are my three compliance takeaways. Yeah, I've got um, a similar one about just how all the toys use their different skills and talents to bond together and, and solve situations. So if you look at your company and, you know, the different skills apply to different functions, HR, legal, sales, production, 
and how if you're going to have a, a great company with ethical compliance, that diverse teams must come together to support the underpinnings of your company. Uh, the toys also have their own code of conduct that no toy is left alone or left behind. So this teamwork again and support should also apply to a company's employees. And it's demonstrated by employees' vigilance to not only act ethically, but also to support fellow employees to do the same. And sometimes that duty extends to using hotlines or proper communication channels to report on any corporate malfeasance. So working together, supporting each other. And then I think one of the the lasting themes that the toy franchise is, is that toys have a duty to support their owners up until at least Toy Story 4 when Woody has to go on on his own. And this would be like ethics and compliance lessons, codes of conduct, policies and procedures. And these documents and rules apply to current as well as futures employees. So toys might change, owners may change, but the bedrock that you're putting in there for a company not only applies to the company today, but it's the company going forward. So I think with your ethics and compliance almost being a, a living, breathing code that maybe uh, the toys applied and subscribed to it much better in one through three, but that code may have lapsed here in the final, hopefully, installment. So, and now the, um, the part of the podcast that our listeners are eagerly awaiting, Jay, uh, the po- popcorn rating. So uh, do you want to go yeah, first or I you mean, want me uh, to? I'm usually accused of being a Hollywood homer. But I have to say that Toy Story 4 is a half bucket of stale popcorn on my meter. So, um, well, I'm going to give it a little higher than that because I'm going to give it a half bucket of fresh popcorn. Um, but uh, I do agree with the half bucket. I really thought this was not a half full movie. It was a half empty movie. And frankly, I was very disappointed um, that uh, I didn't enjoy it any more than I did. So, um, but I think uh, well, perhaps it's a fitting end to uh, a trilogy that went on one too long. So, uh, half buckets from Jay and Tom. So, Jay, you want to give us a wrap? Sure. On behalf of Tom Fox, the compliance evangelist, and myself, Jay Rose, and Mr. Monitor, we'd like to thank you for going to the movies with us and hearing about our thoughts on Toy Story 4 on this week's edition of Popcorn and Compliance. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Popcorn and Compliance. I hope you enjoyed it as much as Jay and I enjoyed bringing it to you. If you have any questions, you can email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. You can email Jay at jrosen at affiliatedmonitors.com. I hope you'll join Jay and I again when our, in our next episode. We're going to take a look at the latest edition of the Spider-Man film genre. This is Tom Fox. Popcorn and Compliance is a presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network and a proud member of C-Suite Radio. Thanks again for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.